All right, guys, welcome back to Shades of Strong, where we are talking about all the things that shape, make, and sometimes break the strong black woman. I'm Cheryl, and of course, the lovely Natty is in the virtual studio also. Hey, Natty, what's up, girl? <laughs> hey, how y'all? How y'all doing? Right, right, yeah. We are back, y'all, <laughs> and today we are continuing the conversation on guilt but we want to take it from a little bit of a different perspective on the last episode we talked about single mom guilt as it relates to raising her child alone this episode we are going to talk about i guess kind of sort of still single mom guilt but this is going to be from the perspective of choosing air quotes is the wrong person is that really an air quote anywho but before we do that <laughs> <laughs> Like we said in previous said in previous episodes, follow us on all social media platforms, Shades of Strong. The website is shadesofstrong.com. Email hi at shadesofstrong.com. You can leave us a voice message and be sure to check out our free resources on the website also that's going to help you get the healing, move past the pain of past experiences and all of those things so be sure to check those out so you can get that healing all right all right so like i was saying we're going to continue the conversation on guilt and we're going to take it from a perspective from a relationship perspective and that has been my experience that being in a healthy long-lasting relationship is the re i think the reason why relationships last is because each individual is choosing the other person every day. So I guess the question mm -hmm. I want to throw out is how do you move past the guilt of choosing a person who eventually stops choosing you? Yeah, that's a really tough one. That's, that's, that's the big question, right? That's huge. I think a real big key that you said is every day, you're choosing the person and every day you're trusting that that person is also going to choose you. I think a lot of times we get caught up really believing. I know I did this a lot when I was younger. We get caught up believing that if we just do all of the super kind and super caring, super loving or quote unquote right things, that the other person will keep choosing us and they will, you know, again, in air quotes, act right and all of this kind of stuff. But the, the key word here is choose. Everyday love is, is a verb, it's an action, it's a choice. And the hard pill to swallow is that even if you make the choice, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is going to make the choice. You trust that they will and you if you're married, you, you've made this, this pact, so to speak, that that's exactly what you're going to do, regardless of the circumstances. But you can't really control the other person. You can't really control the outcome. So there is a possibility that the other person might stop making that choice. Shirley and I have both been in that situation where we were still choosing, but the other person stopped choosing. And I, and that's a huge key, Shirley. Like, I'm glad that you said that because I think when we really get that settled, 
in our minds and in our hearts that it really is a choice and we're only responsible for our own choices. We talk about that all the time. We'll stop feeling so guilty. I still did what I said I was going to do. And it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I don't mess up. It doesn't mean that I'm not capable of hurting my loved one's feelings or anything like that. We're human beings. We're going to screw up. But I still, I, I chose and I did what I said I was going to do, which was keep choosing this person. Them, yeah, them not choosing me anymore. That is not on me. That's on them. It's not you that makes someone stop choosing you. Just like it's not on you. It's not you that makes someone who's abusive hit you or mentally or emotionally abuse you or sexually abuse you. You control your actions, your thoughts and actions, and the other person controls their thoughts and actions. And if their thoughts and actions get to a place where they're not aligned with what your thoughts and actions are, that is their responsibility, not your responsibility. So us, we, you know, this is a, I feel like this is a cultural thing, but I also, I bet this is similar in, in other cultures too. We really do this thing, especially with women where, yeah, you, you should have known better than she was that bomb and this and that and the other, and you shouldn't have chose that man or what, whatever, whatever. And it's not to say that you go into a situation and you see a person for who they are at the time. And if who they are at the time doesn't look all that hot, then yeah, you, you want to use, you want to rely on your, your intuition and your wisdom and say, they're not looking all that hot. I don't mean physically. I mean, the way they move in life isn't all that hot. It might not be a good idea for me to choose that person. But even with something like that, I go right back to, if you have chosen that person, that's, you're, in, you're in charge of your own thoughts and actions, and they are still in charge of their own thoughts and actions. So if they start doing things that are extra sideways, it's up to you to choose for yourself to remove yourself from a really bad situation. And if they remove themselves from the situation, the situation wasn't all that great, again, that's on them. And it's probably a better situation for you anyway. But yeah, I really, I have this, this, this whole thing makes me itch where we, we find every reason to blame women for every single circumstance that they're in, especially the ones where there is a measure of control that they don't have. There's another person involved and that person has to choose their own thoughts and their own actions. And we don't control that, but we still want to always blame these women. And, oh, that's why you a single mom, or that's why you can't do that. You can't keep a man. Oh my gosh. My job isn't to keep a man and a man's job isn't to keep me. (laughs) My job is to take good care of myself and steward myself in such a way that I feel loved and comforted and safe. And then to allow myself to love that other person and vice versa. It's not a matter of keeping or, hey, don't do things that'll make them wild out on you. Like that's, it, I mean, is that really what we're supposed to be doing as, as, as human beings that are capable of having wisdom we're just supposed to rely on what the other person does and that's supposed to dictate what we do i don't think that's the way it's supposed to work so i just i really get i get really itchy around 
these kinds of statements that are that are lobbied at women. And I've heard things like that lobbied at men too. It's just to a, a lesser degree. It's but definitely yeah, anything to a lesser where degree. it's like way lesser, right? Mm-hmm. So I just I think if we really think about how we are each making our own choices, we can start to remove a lot of that guilt. And if it's a situation where we're in a relationship with someone who really was not worthy of being in a relationship with us because they've got all their own kinds of problems or whatever, then it's just time to think about, okay, what is going on with me that might need healing so that I can heal more of the truth about myself, which is I am worthy and I'm not going to choose someone who would want to treat me like that. Right. And you I think we I mean? talked a little we talked a little bit about that in the episode where we talked about fatherless black girls. We talked about daddy issues and how sometimes mm-hmm. those issues will carry over into how we choose our our partners yeah. and how we choose to be in relationship with them. So it's like you were saying, if you find yourself constantly choosing the wrong person then I think it's time to do a search of yourself to see what's really going on with you. Why is it that mm-hmm. I keep choosing this person? Why is it, why, why do I constantly think that this type of person is a great choice? But what I, what I wanted to back up and go back to is that we, like you were saying, that we are notorious for pointing the blame at the woman when in more cases than not, <laughs> Like I say, said in the last episode, I don't want to put all men or in a previous episode, I don't want to put all men in a box because, you know, all men are all men are different. But in more yeah. cases than not, I, I will. Well, I'll just say from my own experience that it wasn't me that stopped choosing. <laughs> and right. So, and so what what I what I found is that people are quick to point the finger at the woman to make it look like she's the one that stopped choosing. Cause I'll tell, I'll tell you this. And you guys have heard me tell this story before when my daughter was molested by her dad. I knew him when we was in high school. I, he's, I hate, girl, get these words together. (laughs) (laughs) We dated in high school. I got pregnant and had her at 16 and, you know, we kind of went our separate ways or whatever. And then I got married. He got married and he divorced his wife. And I ended my first marriage and we came back together and we married later in life. I think I was maybe in my mid 30s when we married at that mm-hmm. time. But he and I had not even been married a year when I learned that he had been molesting my daughter. And so mm-hmm. when when I learned that people in the church because he was he was a minister and I I, I, I use that word very lightly but right. yeah pe- people in the church you know or some people in the church blamed me and blamed my daughter they blamed me for mm. um, you know allowing her to dress a particular way and you know things about that stuff and so the point I'm trying to make is that we you know, as a culture, we are. We shoulder a lot of the blame. Yes. You know, and you know, we point the finger rather than pointing the finger where the finger needs to be pointed. We are, we're quick to blame and and say, well, if you hadn't done this, then this wouldn't have happened rather than saying, okay, 
he committed it shouldn't this, have been period because exactly, he shouldn't be molesting nobody right he, he committed this heinous act show giving him the responsibility for his actions rather than right pointing and placing the blame on my daughter and me but i'm saying that to say this even when you find yourself in a relationship where a person has stopped choosing you rather than going to this place where you immediately start to blame yourself and you try to figure out what you did wrong although you do need to examine yourself <laughs> and take responsibility yeah. for the role that you played in it but in, rather than you know shouldering all that guilt and shame ask yourself the question am i placing the blame where the blame needs to be placed because that's what you need to process you need to process First of all, why do I keep I keep choosing these type of people? And then you need you need to ask yourself, what role did I play in it? And then ask yourself, what role did he play in it? Process all of that and then release it. Just let it go, because like we were saying yesterday, guilt, it, it will ultimately eat you alive if you do not use it in a proper way. And so rather than constantly going back to that place where you're questioning oh what what could I have done differently or if, if I had done this and I see women buy into those kind of things all the time as a matter of fact yeah, yeah. I was talking to a, a lady she's a she's a younger individual but I was talking to her about a month ago about this guy that she she had just started dating and he he wasn't he wasn't giving her what she needed in the relationship or loving her in her love language if you if you want to look at it from that perspective he wasn't loving her in her in her love language and i saw her making all the sacrifices mm -hmm. she was the one making the sacrifices she was the one doing all the changing she was the one mm -hmm. constantly choosing him he wasn't choosing her and what do you think happened in that relationship well my guess is it ended it ended it absolutely ended because I won't say he never chose her, but she chose him more than he chose her. Right. Yeah. And so eventually yeah. he just stopped choosing her at all. You don't get mm -hmm. to shoulder the guilt and the shame and the blame for that. That's not on you. Right. Now you do have That's to it. take responsibility for the fact that, and y'all know we keep it 100 on here. <laughs> you mm -hmm. do have, because at the end of the day, people can only do to you what you allow them to do to you. Mm -hmm. Like Natalie, like Natalie was saying, you have to get to a point in your life where you know that you are worthy, that you deserve mm -hmm. to be treated with kindness and love and respect, and that you deserve to be loved in your love language. Because loving, yes. even when it comes to our children, we have to we have to learn what their love language is in order to love them the way they That's need right. to be, the way they need to be loved. And so in, when you're in relationship with someone, be it friend or romantic, you need to be loved in a way that that fits you and that that you're going to understand. It's going to make you feel good, not that other person. And, you know, it's a um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's what I'm looking for, Natalie. It's a. Uh, Reciprocal? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Reciprocity. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> Reciprocity. Yeah. So yeah, you when you're in a rel
<laughs> and that is because, and I'm not ashamed to say it, because it was all a learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I learned from it. I grew from it. And I would never get caught up in another one because I've done my work. But I've been right. the most recent, and it, it ain't even recent. It's been three, five years, I think. But let me just tell you, I stayed longer than it was over a 10 year period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny mm-hmm. now, but over a 10 year period, I stayed in this relationship off and on, being placed on the back burner, um, ha- having other women being chosen over me, having the only time you come see me is at bedtime, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And so, and I think. I won't say all women have been guilty of it, but I think on some level, we've all succumbed to behavior like that. And so yeah. you, we ha- as, as women, we have to get to a place where you absolutely cannot settle. Because like, like I keep saying, people will only do what you allow. Right. But even if you have found yourself in the past where you have settled for some some treatment that was beneath what you deserve, then you got to move past that. You have to move past it. You cannot just dwell on if I would have, could have, should have. Because guess what? When you finish doing all of that, he gone. He ain't coming back. You walking around. You're unhappy. That that type of guilt guilt I think is counterproductive. When you are constantly oh, dwell, when you when you're, when you're constantly dwelling on all the things that you could have and should have done differently. The key to healing, the, the key to, to growing is to process whatever it is that you're experiencing and, and then move past it. So my question to you, Natty, is I guess what, what, what I want to offer our listeners is we keep saying processing. What does processing look like when you are carrying around the guilt? And I'm just throwing this question out there. So not that I think you're a therapist or anything. <laughs> I'm oh, just no, throwing I, this no, question totally out know. there so we can have a conversation about it. But what does processing look like when, when you're processing the guilt from an unhealthy relationship? What does processing look like for that? Okay. So I think that's a, I think that's a great question. And like we've said many times before, this is just ideas. These are just things that we are offering up to you. And it's not that I'm saying this and thinking this is what, you know, I'm not going, Hey, what you need to do. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, I'm just going to tell you what I did. And that's what happened to work for me. But at the end of the day, I'm me and you who are listening, you're you. So these are just different possibilities, different options, things that you can explore on your own and see what actually works for you. But for me, the way that I process a lot of things, not every single thing, but a lot of things, and in particular, these relationship wounds that I had Mm -hmm. for many years. The first thing that I did, and I won't talk about the you know, because there was more than one relationship that really, really hurt me. There were two major relationships that really, really wounded me. But my my first marriage was one of them. And so I'll use that as, that as an example. The first thing that I did was I, I got a journal and I started writing. Mm-hmm. I started writing 
all of about all of the angry anger all the anger that I had, all of the angry feelings that I had, all of the things that I all of the reasons I was angry at my ex-husband. I wrote all those things. I wrote about all the things that went wrong in our relationship. I wrote about the reasons that I felt those things went wrong. I wrote about I wrote about my own like guilt for oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. Why did I even enter? Like, I really got snowed. Man, I really, like, he really did a number on me because I thought he was this person, you know, that kind of thing. I wrote all of that stuff and I continued to write those things for a solid at least a year, if not two years. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot, there was a lot of that I needed to think about and deal with. And honestly, writing those things helped me feel a little bit better. I feel like if I hadn't written those things, they still would have been locked up inside and they would have made me a much angrier person because I, I personally believe that writing things down, journaling, just for me, that goes a long way to releasing things. Mm-hmm. Like once you get it out on paper, it's not on the inside anymore. And so it's released. It doesn't mean that you still don't have work to do with, with right. um, sitting with those things or anything like that, but it's outside of you now. So it's released. And that's, that's a healthy thing for me. Other people do it through movement. Other people do it through lots of other things. I do it a lot through making art too, but definitely writing. So that was the first thing that I did. And then after a couple of years, I, you know what? It wasn't even after a couple of years. It was many years later, (laughs) actually, that I started to look, inward. At first I was doing a thing that I think we all do after a breakup, you know, for me, you know, I'm in shock. I was in shock for like almost a solid year. I was depressed definitely. And I, I, I dealt with that all my life on and off. Anyway, we've talked about that, but because of those things, I, I lost a lot of weight. And unfortunately our culture and our society is set up in a way that when you see someone skinny, you think they look good and you assume that they're healthy, lost a bunch of weight. All of a sudden it was like, oh, you look great. Not that I was, I was not big before this. I'm in my mid twenties here. So I was already thin. So I got even thinner is what I'm saying. But to other people, I was, you know, I, if I, I was already attractive, I was already getting attention, but I got more attention. And it's really unfortunate because me getting as thin as I got, it was all about me being depressed. It was all about me being sad. It was all about me not loving myself. It, none of it, nothing about it was healthy. But we had this thing where we think thin equals healthy. And that's a really unfortunate thing. But I digress. So while I was in this period, of course, you know, I had, you know, I was, I was working. And so... Every now and then when I could, I would get some new clothes or I would, I would get my hair done and I would do things to make myself feel better on the outside. But I was very much a shell of a person because I was, I was, I was fully, I was in deep depression. And so I wasn't really looking, turning inward. It wasn't until like a few years after that. So it was several years after the, the, the breakup that I started to turn inward. And I, I started praying 
more. I, it wasn't that I wasn't praying before, but I was, it was always these external things that I was praying about. It wasn't stuff about my heart. It wasn't stuff about me not wanting to feel depressed anymore. And so I started praying for my own healing because at the time I certainly didn't know how to heal. I could not afford to go to therapy. I didn't even, you know, I, I considered going to a counselor, but then I, I never went because I was like, I'm not going to be able to afford sessions week in, week out. So I never did. So I just started praying and asking God to heal me because I, I really needed it. I was, I was suffering from insomnia and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I think in the process of praying about my own emotions and about my heart and about my racing thoughts, that kind of focus initiated a shift for me to where I wasn't thinking about my crappy ex-husband as much as I was really just thinking about myself and how can I, how can I get to a place where life feels better for me. And so that was also a part of the process, I think, just being able to be very honest about, hey, I'm really, I'm really, really hurt. And I don't know when I'm not going to feel hurt. And I don't want to feel hurt forever. But, and I, but I really need help. I think that also is a very legitimate part of processing that kind of event. So I think those were the two major things that started happening I did something similar in the last relationship that I was in. I did, I, I didn't journal, but I did a form of journaling where I wrote a letter to him every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not mm-hmm. every day, but every time I felt myself going back to that place of guilt and shame and blaming myself for the relationship ending, I would write a letter to him. And I think I still have it saved on my computer, if I'm not mistaken, because I never gave it to him. It was my way of saying the things that I needed to say to him without actually having to say them to him. And so that was processing for me. And also what I did was as I began to go through that process and as years had passed and sometimes the guilt and, and the blame would still come up. And so I would begin to ask myself, is this my guilt? Mm-hmm. Is this my shame? And so when I, when I would ask myself that question, then I could honestly answer it, like examine myself and honestly answer the question, is this my guilt? And in more cases than not, it was not. <laughs> so it, was I, not. it was not. That didn't belong to you, right? It didn't belong to me. And so when I when I was able to recognize the fact that it wasn't my guilt, then I was able to move past it. When I was able to reconcile with the fact that it wasn't my shame, then I could move past it. So those are the are the things that worked for me in in that relationship. But when it came to the relationship with my with my daughter's father who molested her now that was completely different one on letter oh, writing. i would imagine so like letter writing didn't do that for me i carried mm-hmm. around guilt again for choosing the wrong person like you know how dare you choose this pedophile you know i carried mm-hmm. that around for years and and of course there was shame associated with it there was blame for 
me thinking that I should have recognized the signs. And the thing that I, and this is probably going to sound really strange, but in order for me to move past that particular, you chose the wrong person, um, the guilt of choosing the wrong person in that situation, I actually had to show compassion for him. And I know it sounds weird, it it sounds weird, but I actually had to show compassion for him. I I had to get to a place in my life where I was able to be compassionate. It wasn't like I felt sorry for him. He's serving a long prison sentence where he'll be 90 something before he's even eligible for parole. It wasn't that I, I I had to get to this place where I felt sorry for him, but I had to be compassionate towards the fact that he had let this thing consume him Mm. and for whatever reason he felt like he couldn't escape it or get away from it so in order for me to heal from the guilt and the shame that came along with that relationship I had to find some compassion in my heart for him and that was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life ever It was, it was so, especially when he was one of the people blaming me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I can remember he wrote me a letter. He sent it to my mom's address and in essence, you know, he was saying, I'm sorry, but y'all have to, y'all have to forgive me because y'all are supposed to be Christians. And how y'all say y'all Christians when y'all can't even forgive. And of course I never justified that with a response. But even right. so, it it was really, really hard for me to feel compassion for him. I didn't feel sorry for the fact that he was going to spend probably the rest of his life in prison. I didn't feel sorry about any of that. But I felt compassion that he couldn't, I guess, overthrow this demon that he had allowed to consume his life and that he didn't when when he knew the things that he was doing because my child is not the only child that he sexually abused when he went, when wow. he was doing those things that he didn't seek help. So I, I found compassion that way. And that knowing that he really did need help. He needed mental help. There are people, he needed some help. So I found compassion in that. And when I was able to find compassion for him, I was ultimately able to forgive him. And I gave those those examples because I want our listeners to know that moving past the shame and the guilt is going to look different for all of us. We're not yeah. gonna we're not we're not gonna process it the same. Natty used journaling, she used art, I used letter writing. For this particular situation, I had to find compassion in my heart. So it's going to look different for all of us. But I think the primary question that we do, that we all need to ask ourselves is, is this my guilt? Is this my blame? Is this my shame? Should I be pointing the finger at me? And then maybe take those questions and journal about them. You know, Mm -hmm. and when you can come to, when you can, you can answer, truthfully answer that question and recognize that it's not your, it's not your shame then I think that is what ultimately helps us move past it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I understand, I, I, I don't think it sounds strange because I know that if you get to a place, this is not to 
absolve anyone of any responsibility for what they did. But if you allow yourself to get to a place where you cannot feel compassion for someone else just by virtue of them being a human being, you put yourself in a lot of danger. You put yourself in, in a lot of mental, emotional danger, and that can lead to physical danger, like things happening in your body that are the result of you carrying a lot of contempt and bitterness. It's, it has, it's just like what we've said before about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't have anything to do with that other person and whether or not they deserve it. It's about you and you being healthy and you being whole and you being free to move on. So I totally see how finding a place where you could feel compassion for, for him because he's the father of your child and all of right. that, all I of can that, see how yeah. that would lead you to not feel guilt about your choices anymore. Right. Because again, that wasn't your guilt and you can't control, again, you can't control what, what other, other people, people do. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, I think that is one of the most important things that we have to remember when we're carrying around guilt and shame for choices that we've made, especially when it's attached to somebody else's choice. We can't control what other people do. We can't change people. We can't, we can't heal them. We can't heal them. <laughs> we can't heal them. We, we can't we change cannot. their lives. We can't change them. We can't do all that. We nope. can't do any of that. If you if you want to know whether or not you can change a person, think about how hard it is for you to change you. For you to change you. Because that's the only one you can change. And that's that's like a, ooh, that's that's a full-time challenging. job. Yeah, that's challenging in itself. So when you're thinking about the shame, think about the fact that you cannot change who he is or, or who he was. He has to want to do that himself. And nothing that, yeah, you know, you probably could have made, done some things differently. You know, you probably could have left a little sooner, all of that. You know, we've all, we've all been down there, yeah. road. But you can't go back and change any of that. It's done now. And so the thing right. now is to process, process that guilt, process that shame that, come, that came along with that and and find a find a way to move forward and i again i think the right. most important question you can ask yourself is is this is this my guilt is this my shame and if you can honestly answer no to that then begin to process that and use some of the methods that that natty and i i gave you because all of it ain't yours all no of it is not, it's all not it all yours just like you were saying earlier that, you know, people were looking at you and your daughter and trying to give in all the responsibility on the two of you mm -hmm. and none of the responsibility on the perpetrator. Exactly. How is that even, how does that even make any sense? Like, oh, wait, I'm so, what people are saying then is not only am I responsible for my actions, I'm, I'm responsible, responsible for his other person's actions. Yeah, I that can control is, what he I mean, does. It's so right. obvious that that is a lie. You can't, exactly. you're not responsible for the perpetrator's actions. And it's not, never, ever, ever is it going to be a case of, well, if you just had done this or you just had done that. Right. Because again, our actions aren't meant to dictate the actions of other people. We still have sovereignty over our own minds and over our own choices. And we have to make choices accordingly, regardless. We all slip up. 
And we all do things that aren't the, the wise thing to do, that aren't the, the whole and healed thing to do. Like, I'm not going to lie. If someone hit me in the face, I would most definitely hit them back. I might go out later and say, well, it was just an instinct. You know, it's like, you know, when you push those balloon things down and they pop right back up and hit you, that's all that was. So I wasn't in control. Of my, you know, I might do that. The reality is, at some point, I do have sovereignty over my own choices, and I have to make a choice. Am I going to meet violence with violence? And again, like the the petty Sagittarius in me that would not put up with <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. like, yeah, I'm going to meet violence with violence. I don't know. Yes. you got me all the way effed up. Exactly. But that's not the actual, like, healed whole kind of response. Right. We're we have supposed to, keep to be better human beings. Right. We have to keep the pain. Because, the, yeah, <laughs> because that person's actions are, are much lesser than what they're really here to do and meant to do. And it doesn't mean that I have to meet their, the level that they're at, at that same level. We don't always have to match everybody's energy. You know what exactly. I mean? We exactly. can still choose what our energy is going to be and let that other person do whatever, let, let them do what they do. Let them do, do them. I'm a do me still. So yeah, it's really, it's, it's such a disservice to people, especially people who have been victims of, of abuse to make them responsible for not only their own actions, but to also make them responsible for the actions of the perpetrator. That is the most heinous form of gaslighting. And we have a lot of work to do as a, as a society to correct ourselves because we have to, we have a lot of correcting to do. So going back to the whole guilt thing, when you feel like you want to say, oh, if I had just done, or if I had just done, or just not done, then he wouldn't have done, that probably should be your red flag right there, that you're about to try and take responsibility, responsibility for that other person's that actions. That is it. That is it. And right don't there. do it. And I can and tell you right now, the answer to, is that my guilt? No, it's not. That's not no, your guilt. Not. <laughs> well, you know what? If you find that some of it is your guilt, Take responsibility for that part of it. But you know what would be even more helpful or as helpful as taking responsibility for it is to pull out the lessons you learned from it rather yeah. than beating yourself up about if I had done this, if I had kicked him out the first time, then this wouldn't have happened. If I hadn't ignored the sign, pull the lessons out of it. What lesson did you learn that did you learn as a result? of this thing happening or what lessons did you learn because he stopped choosing you? What lesson can you take away uh-huh. from it? I think yeah. that's the more productive thing to do rather than constantly right. beating yourself up about it. What did I learn from it? Am I happier yeah, because yeah. he's gone? Oh, that that's part. right. It's <laughs> that like, <part>. Because <laughs> 99.9% of the time, the truth is you're better off. You're better. Honestly. You got your peace back. You, you sure know, do. All of you that. You got your peace. There's a lot of there's a lot of like dumb stuff that you don't have to deal with anymore. That you don't have to put up with anymore. That you don't have to be around anymore. You don't mm-hmm. have to listen to him. You don't have to hear his his stank little annoying boy. I'm I'm just I'm saying I'm not saying that everyone's. You ain't gotta do any of that. You can just focus on you and your own healing and your own well being, so that when a 
a more healed whole person comes along, you can have the the wherewithal to, to really evaluate and say, okay, do I want to choose this person? Because exactly. also when you when we spend all that time beating ourselves up, it goes right back to what we talk about on this podcast all the time. We have a lot of work to do in learning to love ourselves and see ourselves as worthy because when we're beating ourselves up, we're actually we're actually committing abuse on ourselves. We're abusing ourselves at that point. So we've got that's to do what better. healing is about. I think if I were to just sum healing up, I think it's ultimately about learning to love yourself. I think that's what it's all about in the end. Learning to be okay with who you are. Mm-hmm. That's right. You have to. You have to. You have to get to a place place where you can really accept yourself. And when I say accept yourself, I mean accept the parts about you that aren't healed. Mm-hmm. Accept there the you, parts of yes, you that are still in the shadows. That. Say accept that. Accept the parts yes. of you that, yeah, like me, the petty Sagittarius, like I have to accept that part too. It's not all, hey, you're so great. You sound like Oprah and you're such a great art. No, no, no. Sometimes I'm real, I'm real petty and I get real angry and I, I allow myself to lean into that stuff Sometimes when it's I'm not actually the right time. Yes, you shoot my dog. Yeah, okay. so yes. exactly. So you got to be able to accept all of all you. Of you. And not be like, I accept this part of me, that part needs work. I don't know what's wrong with her. She needs to get out of here. No, she's still you. You've got to accept all of you. And then you can heal all of you. Exactly. You accept yourself where you are. Right where you're at. That is is the only way you can. That's what God does for us. Exactly. You accept yourself where you are and then propel yourself to that place of healing. And like we, we are constantly saying, it's a journey, not a destination. I think we are always going to be healing from something, even if it's just something somebody said to us that pricked our hearts. Yeah, Healing has to take place in us. So I think, like Natty said, we, we got to learn to love all of us. All and of it. When we, le- when we learn to, lo- to love all of us, we'll, we'll make better choices. That's right. You know, we'll make the choices that are right and healthy for us Absolutely. and that we know are going to, that are going to be for our own well-being and keep us in a, a place of safety and mm-hmm. comfort and peace. We'll do that. But first, yeah, we've got to not try and cut parts of us off and try and hide those somewhere, toss them in the trash even. And I'm talking to myself too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I certainly have not arrived because mm-hmm. yeah, the whole healing is not, is it, it's a journey. The destination really is the journey because exactly. these are still issues that I deal with. There's still parts of me that I feel ashamed of, things that I've done that I feel ashamed of, even though I've done a ton of healing work and ton of, a ton of forgiveness work and forgiving myself for a lot of things. I'm still a human being, y'all. So I, and, and I've been on this earth almost 50 years. There are a couple, one or two things that I still haven't really fully dealt with yet because mm-hmm. it hurts to deal with them because it hurts to know, it hurts to think about my own actions. 
but I still have to think about it. I still have to, again, accept even that part of myself because that's still me. It's not, I'm not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's just, that's a, that's a part of me. I've got shadows. I have an inner child that, you know, might throw tantrums and all that kind of stuff like we all do. And yeah, I still have to get to where my arms are wrapped fully around those parts of me too. So yeah, that's it. In a nutshell, if he did, if he stopped choosing you, own your part in it. Girl, let him go. And and, and girl, like literally let him go. Don't, he, he stopped choosing go. you. Don't keep choosing him. When, when mm-hmm. that relationship door has been closed. Because every time you give him place in your life, in your emotions, in your day, when your thoughts are consumed by things that he did to you, you are still mm-hmm. choosing him. And so you already that's, know. That's right. That you're still choosing him. And you already know he's not choosing you. So why are you still choosing him? So yeah, you can choose yourself choose from yourself. here on out. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when, when you walk away and, and even even if that that relationship door is closed like I say and you're still choosing him when you walk away from someone that you still love because I there there are times where you do I, I still love the guy that in my last relationship I still loved him after you know I finally closed it so I still loved him but I had to let him go yeah. I had to let him go and there is a life after that yeah, there is. And I know it probably, most definitely if, is. if you're in the thick of it'll it, it'll feel like there isn't, it'll but feel like yeah. there isn't if you're still in the thick but of it. it is. Feel, but there's life after after that, honey. You're around here walking mm-hmm. around thinking you can't live without him. There is life after him. So, yeah. Anyway, it certainly is. That, that could be a whole other topic, too. So, we're not going to get into that tonight either. But, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we hope we said something that helped you with the shame that you that you um, may be experience, experiencing as a result of someone who stopped choosing you. We hope that we were able to offer some insight and all that goodness. Like we say every episode, hit us up if you need some support. If you just need somebody to vent with for a little while, hit us up. You can leave us a, a voice message on our, our website. And please rest assured, if you leave us a voice message on, on that website, we are not going to air what you say unless you say it's okay to do it. Because healing is a sacred journey, and we will absolutely never do that. So know that if you reach out to us, it whatever you say is always kept in the utmost strict. Um, in the strictest of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I have to laugh about it because it frustrates me that in mid-sentence, I completely forget what I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Natty, don't you dare laugh. <laughs> oh, no. I'm laughing with you. Oh, I'm definitely not laughing at oh you. Oh, my God. I do the same oh thing. My God. I gotta get, I gotta I'll lose my train of thought out of nowhere. It's crazy. I've done stupid stuff like Hey, I'll tell one of my kids, hey, put this back in the sink. And I mean the refrigerator, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. And they just look at me like, what? What's wrong <laughs> with you? Yeah, like, all of that. What's anyway. Going on? So, yeah. Anyway. I'm definitely yeah. not laughing at you. Laughing with Thank you. you. <laughs> Please laugh with me. 
anyway guys we are out of here and like i said be sure you know just reach out if you need support reach out we're here for you we got you we got your back and you have your back too all right <laughs>